When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. Whoa, 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 Scott. Slam on the brakes here. Again? The anti-lock brakes. Oh, yeah, but don't pump them. But don't ever pump them. Hi, I'm Ben Bolin. Uh, Today's episode is going to be about anti-lock brakes, right, Scott? Yeah, that's right. And we've got a few, uh, I guess, maybe some driving safety tips, I suppose. And uh, I think what, you know, don't don't immediately tune out if you're a listener and you think, well, I already know all about ABS brakes. You know, I've, yeah. you know, I've already read the article on how stuff works, about how analog brakes work. And, right. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't need any kind of, uh, you know, detailed information about the system or the parts or any of that stuff. We've got a little more history to it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just some kind of interesting dates along the way that uh, some surprising dates, as a matter of fact. Right. Because what we do whenever we handle something that you guys probably have already heard about, some of you have probably already replaced ABS systems and stuff like that, we're not going to tell you so much uh, some tired how-to. We're going to tell you the stuff you might not know about the evolution of ABS as well. Um, and it goes back further than most people think, it right? Goes, it goes way, way back, decades and decades and decades. And, you know, Ben, we've probably even got mechanics in our audience that, and in fact, I know we have mechanics in our audience, that they work on ABS brakes. Oh, yeah. So, oh, and one one more thing. Can I just say this? Because I know a lot of people are going to nitpick at this. I think. Okay. And I probably would, too, and, and I'm just going to say it up front. I know that the, the, that ABS stands for anti-lock braking system. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I say ABS, ABS system, uh, it's just because that's part of the, the, uh, the natural role of this whole thing. I know that's redundant. To oh, say, like ATM machine? Yeah, that's right. ATM machine is redundant. A- ABS system is also redundant. I understand that, but I'm probably gonna, gonna say that occasionally throughout this whole thing. And I, I'll try not to. But, you know, you may catch me doing that. Yeah, and also that's a fairly common term that you're going to see a lot, uh, quite a few people uh, say that. And some writers for uh, manufacturers use the phrase ABS. Oh, uh, that's incorrect. Yeah, that, I mean, they. I mean, it's correct that they do that. It's incorrect to do it in that way. I mean, I guess yeah. if you have the time to write and you're, uh, and you're, you're carefully putting something on paper um, or in electronic form, whatever, you should be able to, to manage that a little better. But we're going to try. We're going to try not to say ABS system and just stick with ABS. Okay. All right. That was, uh, that was preemptive on my part. 
I think it's better to be prepared here. Uh, so first, let's do the the most basic definition of anti-lock braking system. Well, we know that brakes uh, can have a uh, one dangerous thing that can happen. If you slam on the brakes too hard, they can lock up. Exactly. Your wheels will lock up. Your wheels so, will lock up. And, and what happens then is, of course, your wheels, you know, they're, they're not providing any kind of, uh, any kind of real traction on the road. Uh, the contact patch that, that the base of the wheel is really just, it's continually in motion across the surface. Uh, you're not able to steer. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's dangerous in that your car continues the same motion that you're already headed in, in, headed in rather, uh, just the momentum of the vehicle carries it. So let's say you're on a slippery surface and you're going to turn, sure. you push on the brakes and they lock up, you're just going to continue right off the edge of that turn. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to be able to make the turn at all. Um, and what ABS does is it allows you to brake and steer at the same time. Right. And so the, what, what happens here is in pre-ABS Brakes. Uh, what? Excuse me. I'm doing it too now. Except I said brakes instead of systems. Uh, Pre-anti-lock or with non-ABS, uh, a driver could manually pump the brake. That's what you're told to do in older brake systems, and that pumping prevents wheel lockup. But in vehicles that do have ABS, what you should be doing, what your foot should be doing, is being planted firmly on the brake pedal because the system is going to pump those brakes. For you. Yes, extremely fast, and we'll get to how fast later in this podcast, but um, I think we should jump right into the guy that invented these things, uh, because it does go way, way back. It goes a lot further back than most people would really expect. Hey, Noel, can we have some time travel music? All right, so we're going all the way back to 1929. Wow. And uh, I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. A, a, a French engineer, I guess, a, an aviation pioneer, I don't know what to call this guy. He's, uh, his name is Gabriel voice on okay and um gabriel was again an aviation pioneer he was the creator of europe's first heavier than air engine powered aircraft which is capable of uh you know sustained flight oh cool and this is in 1908 so he's uh, he's early on in the game now uh by the way france i want to mention that we were doing that in 1903 here in the united states so that's a little <laughs> bit of a call out to you but anyways moving on um he, uh, he was also the per- very successful by the way i don't want to take anything away from this guy this gabriel guy um, uh, genius really really was he's a provider of world war 1 aircraft um called the uh, the voison 3 um let's see then he switched to automobile production um around 1905 i guess he, he produced these luxury automobiles uh that were called the um, Avion's voice on, which is tough for me to say, but, um, did that for a long time. They, these were around until 1946. And I'll tell you what type of cars these are, Ben. If you were a, a Concours aficionado, if you were someone who liked that type of car, sure. these dramatic big coach type cars, mm-hmm. these French luxury automobiles, uh, beautiful, beautiful coach work in these things. They're, so they're, these are like the cars of kings. Yeah, they really are. They're, uh, almost like, um, a little bit art deco. In their in their design, they're they're very very long, very flowing, beautiful lines, very stylistic cars. And um, the the whole reason that uh, this guy uh, Gabriel, we're getting back to the ABS thing. Uh, the whole reason that Gabriel wanted to uh, develop the, the this new braking system was because, of course, he was interested in aviation. And one thing about airplanes is they needed to accomplish what they call threshold braking. Mm-hmm. And threshold braking is where you're slowing a vehicle at an optimum rate by um, allowing the wheels to just get to the point where they're just about ready to lock up, but not quite. 
And oftentimes what will happen is, and this goes back to the pumping the brakes things, what you had to do in the past was you'd have to almost let the wheel just start to lock up and then let off and then just start to lock up again and then let off again, and you have to manually do that. Mm-hmm. And you could only do that you know, so well. I mean, it just wasn't something that a human being could really do. Right, um, especially in a... In, uh, adrenaline-filled moment. Exactly. Yeah. So you're you're trying to to accomplish the, like the hardest braking that you possibly can without wheel slip or with minimal wheel slip, and that's the that's the goal. And in airplanes, I guess it was critical way back then. And he developed this real kind of um, uh, simple system, I guess. You know, that, that was really the the precursor to all anti-lock braking systems from that point forward. And it's really you know the the um, the principles behind it are the same type of principles that that relate to today's systems. Mm-hmm. So you know, going way back, I mean, 1929—that's a long, long time ago. So again, it prevents wheel lockup, um, allows the driver to continue to steer while the vehicle's braking because you know it, it's not locking the wheels up. You're not sliding. You're not losing control. That's the main benefit of this thing is that you can steer out of trouble or you can steer around an obstacle that, that mm-hmm. appears in your path. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's probably the uh, the the thrust of this whole thing. Yes, and uh, the system itself has four main components. So, okay, the idea we've already stu- we've already explained the idea, right? That there's um, that a skidding wheel has less traction than a non-skidding wheel, and that's why ABS is so valuable. Uh, with ABS, if it's working and if you're driving correctly, you'll be able to stop faster and you'll be able to steer at the same time. Beautiful, life-saving stuff. Yeah, so it improves vehicle control and it decreases stopping distances, both on dry and on wet pavement. Yeah, perfect. Nail on the head there, Scott. Uh, so as we were saying, there are four main components. There are speed sensors, there's a pump, there are valves, and there's what's called a controller. Uh, if it's okay, I'll just run down these real quick. Oh, please do. Okay, so speed sensors. This makes sense because an ABS needs some way of knowing when the wheel's about to lock up. As we said, this is all about the optimal braking, the threshold braking. Uh, so the speed sensors are located at each wheel. In some cases, they're in the differential. And then there are the valves. There's a valve in the brake line of each brake, and it's controlled by ABS. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great. You see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos 
in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. In some systems, the valve has three positions. Position one, it's open. So that means pressure from the master cylinder passes right to the brake. Uh, position two, the valve is blocking the line, isolating the brake from the cylinder. And this means that uh, it will prevent the pressure from rising further if the driver pushes the pedal harder, which equals less chance of a lockup, right? Uh, in position three, the valve releases some of, maybe not all, of the pressure from the brake. So now we need a pump, right? Since the valve is able to release pressure from the brakes, there has to be some way to put that pressure back. When a ra- valve reduces the pressure, the pump's there to, guess what? pump the pressure back up. Makes sense, right? Right. And uh, the controller, of course, is the computer in the car uh, watching the speed sensors, taking the information from there and deciding how to control the valve. Fair enough. And you know what? People can look under their own hood and spot an ABS controller Easily, oh, and yeah. it's the it's a, usually a silver or a black block, and will have several lines coming off the top of it, hard lines like maybe uh, steel lines, and uh, you know they'll either be black in color or silver, mm-hmm. and they'll be around uh, almost like a can off to the side. It looks like that's the motor that you're talking about, the pump motor, and there'll be an electric, electrical connection, and that's the electronic part of this whole thing. That's the brains of the whole system that tells the valves which are inside that silver block mm-hmm. when to open, when to close, when to become in uh, like a partial position, like what you mentioned before uh so any of those positions that you're talking about and and control the motor and all that stuff so oh and scott i just want to point out that you made an excellent drawing <laughs> i was wondering if you're going to say anything about that <laughs> you know i have a, a, a relatively detailed drawing here that i made because i didn't want to forget the parts and what they'd look like um i know pretty simple i mean you spot it anytime you open the hood you'll you'll know what it is but yeah. i just didn't want to f- forget anything i guess in this Ooh. case so okay so okay. i think we've 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 talked about most of the stuff that we want to want to get through in this really so far, um, you know, how it prevents wheel lockup, you know, mm-hmm. it, it improves vehicle control, decreases stopping distances, don't pump the brakes. And the reason you don't pump them, by the way, Ben, and I told you I'd tell you how fast these things can pump them. Now, you mentioned all the valves and you mentioned the, the electronic controllers. That's kind of new, the electronic control part of this. Right. Yeah, and, that's much more modern. And I mean relatively new because I want to go through a list of dates in just a moment that will tell you. But um, how fast does this thing pump the brakes, Ben, you may ask? Hey, Scott, how fast does an ABS pump brakes? We haven't done that in a while. <laughs> um, 
16 times per second is how fast the ABS system will pump the brakes for you. That is crazy. And what you're doing if you pump the brakes yourself is you're defeating what the ABS system is doing. Now, it's going to feel weird. The, pul- the pedal is going to pulse. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's normal. That's, uh, that's, that's telling you that it's actually working. It's, it's, it's braking, releasing, braking, releasing. And that's allowing you to continue to maintain control. It's allowing you to steer while you're braking. Because otherwise, you would be in a lockup situation when you feel that pulsing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are trying to pump the brakes in addition to that, you're simply defeating what it's doing. You're slowing it down from what it could be doing. Which means it's going to take you longer to stop. Exactly. It could take you a lot longer to stop, as a matter of fact. So uh, that's not the thing to do with these things. That's one. That's kind of a caution that you'll hear over and over again is do not pump the brakes if you have an ABS system. Oh, now, What's that? Before we get to the timeline, which do want to hear, uh, I wanted to ask you for some advice. Oh, what kind of advice is that? Well, I am... Do you have girl problems, Ben? <laughs> Oh man, my girlfriend listens to this show. I gotta, I have to plead the fifth on that one. Scott. Understood, understood. Uh, but I am going to be traveling, so I'm looking for. I, I don't have a, one of those fancy XM radios yet in the Monte Carlo, uh, but I do have, um, I do have the ability to listen to some audio books, and I was wondering if you had a pick for me. Well, good news for you, Ben, because I have gone to audible.com, and I found a uh, pick that I think you and our listeners will enjoy, and it's about five hours and 51 minutes long. That's perfect. Perfect That's the length. exact length of my trip. That's, uh, what, what an amazing coincidence. <laughs> now, uh, the title of this book is, uh, is called Tim Richmond, The Fast Life and Remarkable Times of NASCAR's Top Gun. And uh, this one goes back to... The, uh, I guess it'd be the 80s, the 1980s, and the NASCAR series. And, uh, this guy, this, it's, it's by David Poole, the, the book is. This is an interesting cat, this guy, this, uh, this Tim Richmond. Now, he was a driver in the NASCAR series that I mentioned. He was a, uh, he changed over from open wheel racing and switched over to stock car. Um, now, he, he was also, you know, Indiana, he was at the Indianapolis 500 in 1980. He was named Rookie of the Year, um, in 1980. So he was a decent, um, open wheel racer, but he switched over to NASCAR, which is kind of a trend later. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of, a lot of drivers do that. Um, in eight seasons, he won 13 NASCAR races. Um, and he was just consistently in the top 10 and top five, you know, and just about every race he was in. He was really, really uh, just a great contender. Um, also named one of the 50 greatest NASCAR drivers of all time in 1998, which wow. is that date's important, 1998, because, uh, I'll tell you a date later that'll, that'll, Kind of surprise you. Um, but this guy, he, he was, oh, you know, one more thing. Inducted into the Motorsports uh, Hall of Fame in 2002, the International Motorsports oh, Hall wow, of Fame. Okay. So this guy, he's the real deal. Sure. You'll see a lot of old uh, old film footage of this guy, of uh, Tim Richmond, battling out on the track with uh, Dale Dale Sr., on uh, in the NASCAR series, wow, you know Dale when uh, Earnhardt Sr. well when Dale would drive that uh, that blue and yellow Wrangler car, and, uh, and this guy Tim Richmond, he was driving I think it was a number twenty five Folgers car, mm-hmm. and uh, had the real square bodies and everything. It was really it was a, it was a great battle on track, but they were good friends also. Um, this guy had a lot of fans on and off the track. He was real. Um, Real flashy, real flamboyant, I guess is the way to say it. He was a driver from Ohio, Ashland, Ohio, and. Um, Ladies loved him. He had these, uh, these, I guess he was a good looking guy. Okay. And in fact, he had hoped to kind of parlay this, this NASCAR thing that he was doing at the time into a career as a Hollywood actor. He was, uh, he really wanted to be an actor and he lived, he just totally lived up. I mean, like 
his life was nothing but fun and and excitement and and the guy was doing everything. They'd show him on you know like on cigarette boats, you know, at the pilot helm. Uh-huh. Is that the right word? Pilot helm at the at the wheel. Yeah. And uh, they'd show him, you know, of course, driving his Corvette out on country roads and you know just having a blast. The guy was always having fun. Um, and the strange thing is, like, he, he went through this this whole thing where, like, he was a, a real standout on the track. He was a real flamboyant personality, real exciting guy to watch and, you know, on and, and off the track. Um, the, the tragic thing of this, Ben, is he, he passed away at the age of 34 and didn't die in the way that you would think that a driver like this would die. He died in 1989 of HIV AIDS. And that was part of this whole lifestyle that he was living, this crazy lifestyle. And at the time, it was unknown. So this all came out later. Oh, wow. Um, that, you know, that was what was going on because, you know, he was diagnosed with like double pneumonia at times. Mm-hmm. And then he was too weak to qualify for some races. And yeah. they would, they'd find him asleep in the pits sometimes because he was just overly fatigued. And probably at that time, they um, weren't sure what the cause of that illness would be. Exactly. And you know what? I, I don't want to focus on that because the, the, the book here is about really the lifestyle that he led while he was in NASCAR, which was in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating because it was so so typical of somebody that was living that type of just wild life in the 1980s. And yeah. I, I love the film footage of this guy from, from that period because mm. he was having so much fun. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of the whole package, uh, could we go back to the timeline? Now, we left off with our inventor bef- in, in maybe like the late 20s, 1929, yeah, early 19, 30s. 1929. Uh, so what? how did we evolve from his early airplane-inspired invention to the modern ABS? All right, let me go through this quickly because we want to do this fast, right? We're going to kind of wrap up here. But um, 1929, of course, was developed by Gabriel Voisson for aircraft, really, mm-hmm. a French designer. Now, 1958... Royal Enfield Motorcycles actually tested the system, uh, but the guy that was a technical director didn't like the uh, didn't like the the system. He said it, they didn't really see any potential in that type of system, and it never went into production. So this is going back to 1958. Missed the ball there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 1960, there were only two race cars that used kind of an experimental version of this, and there was also an experimental Ford vehicle. Um, an all-wheel drive Zephyr vehicle that uh, used the ABS system, but it didn't go into production then either. Hmm. Um, in the late 1960s, there was the first all-electric um, anti-lock system uh, that was developed for the Concorde jet, which uh, which was, I don't know we've talked about that. We've talked about yeah. Concorde in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until really the 1970s when the big three kind of came around and started to use ABS. Um, now, remember, the Concorde jet was the first one to use it, and they said, well, geez, if they can put it on that, we can put it on the 1971 Chrysler Imperial. And uh, Chrysler and Bendix, I think it was, Bendix Corporation, came together with something they called the SureBrake system. And uh, it was a three-channel system, four sensors um, that, you know, was pretty complicated system but you know again 1971 it was also computerized mm-hmm. in 1971 which is really strange that was early yeah, early on that's prescient really 1970 it, again 1970 71 ford uh lincoln continental um they used a uh let's see boy i think they used a uh, just a rear wheel system called sure track so it was only on the rear wheels hmm. um in 1971 gm did a similar thing that was a rear wheel only uh for the cadillac cars and the oldsmobile Torino, uh tornado rather and they called their system the track master and that was in 1971 so you know they all did it at the same time and it's kind of telling that you know they're, yeah. they're watching what each other's just doing just with different proprietary names exactly 1972 triumph i uh, had a four-wheel drive vehicle called the estate uh where it was standard uh but it was very rare because there were very few of those vehicles made and then also very rare you know because few of them survived so yeah. not many of them out there 1978 Bosch, uh, this is this is kind of uh, one side note, I guess, and then we're almost done. Bosch uh, came around, you know, Bosch Automotive Technology mm-hmm. came around with the first, um, I guess, the first anti-lock brake system that had, was electronically controlled or fully electronically controlled and brought it to market. So it was available to everybody from 1978 on, um, not just, you know, the the uh, manufacturers, uh, you know, the big three that, you know, were paying mm-hmm. heavy big bucks. Um, and then it wasn't until – I'm going to skip ahead here just a minute. Okay. Um, no, you know what? I'll stick with it. So 1985, uh, Ford came out with a vehicle called the Scorpio. 
It was introduced in the European market, and it had uh, Bosch electronic system nets in 1985. Just one year later, Bosch came out with a traction control system, or TCS, uh, which reduced drive torque to each driven wheel. Uh, it's kind of an extension of ABS. So, so think about it this way. There's like the ABS system, then there's traction control, and then another layer on top of that, which is electronic stability program, uh, which is also a Bosch product. Um, and it's kind of like the most comprehensive of all the systems in that, you know, it, it incorporates ABS, traction control, um, and this electronic stability program all into one. It's like one big mm-hmm. system that you can buy mm-hmm. now. And the good thing about that is that it works in all situations, braking, um, acceleration, you know, all driving situations. So let's say that, you know, something happens and your ABS lights comes on because you hit a puddle. Right. You're, you're watching, uh, the electronic stability control system in action at that point. And this, uh, this evolution also continues. And we know that ABS is successful because really what the technology has been doing at this point is further refining the original applications, you know, uh, adding more speed sensors. Yeah, it's just taking a good idea and making it better. Right, exactly. It's tweaking it. Uh, this is uh, this is great because it has reduced fatalities in accidents. Uh, just a couple of quick do's and don'ts for ABS. Scott, we already said, do not pump the brakes. It's going to take you longer to stop. Another important thing is do not let your foot off the brakes. Just press firmly so the system still knows you're trying to brake the car. Uh, there are a couple of... Those are, I think, the two biggest don'ts, you know. Uh, there are a couple of do's, and they're always the same ones that you should hear every time you, someone talks to you about brakes. Do allow yourself enough distance to stop. Yes, hypermilers, I know you can slipstream. It's not <laughs> worth it. I just, I want to put that in. Fair you can enough. draft, rather. Fair enough. And then, of course, weather conditions play into that as well. So, you know, slippery roads, mm-hmm. snow, ice, rain, whatever it happens to be. Just give yourself plenty of room because, I mean, the system is great. It really will work. Yeah. However, it does have its limitations and it's not going to help you in something like that. I mean, it just, if it's, if it's sheet ice, mm-hmm. you're still going to slide. Right. And your car may sound like it's making some strange mechanical noises. That usually just means the ABS is in action and working. Yeah. You're going to hear some clunking. You're going to hear mm-hmm. some pulsing noises. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is working. I mean, I, I know that people have even brought cars back to the dealership. Oh, yeah, because they thought they were broken. Yeah, with that clunking sound, thinking that that's not right, but uh, that's just the ABS working. And uh, let's see. How successful has ABS been? Let's end on a good note. Uh, as of 2007, it became mandatory in all EU vehicles. Uh, you can't stop a good thing. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a good thing that can it can stop. Oh boy, <laughs> digging the hole deep. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and it seems like, of course, you, you know, U.S. cars, of course, have, have had this uh, mandate for a long time that ABS mm-hmm. is required as well, standard. So, um, you know, there's there's so much to say about the system. I know we've just done kind of a quick overview and, you know, components a little bit, but uh, it's the a history, fascinating history. Yeah, the history is more what I wanted to get out there. And that, you know, there's, there's, it goes way back a lot farther than most people think. 1929, I never would have guessed prior to this that 1929 was a date when ABS really was born. And that it originated from aircraft. Go ahead and impress your friends next time they try to lecture you about something. Go hold up. I mean, look at an, look at a 1929 World War II or World War One, I, I guess aircraft yeah. really i mean basically mm-hmm. and uh, and say and that's where abs came from you're you're not going to believe it
and we hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode on anti-lock braking systems, both the uh, evolution and the basic function behind them. Scott, you and I are about to head out. Uh, people who would like to learn more about this can always check out our website, carstuffshow.com. You can also drop us a line on Facebook because we're social in that online sense. You can send us a tweet at Twitter. You can cut out the middleman and suggest a topic for our upcoming episodes by sending us an email at carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.